Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Sarah. What's been going on? We have been actually putting lights on our tree. It sat naked for about two weeks. Is it a real live Christmas tree, Charlie Brown? Nope, it is an out-of-the-box-from-Menards kind of a tree. (laughs) My family, when I was growing up, every other year, my mother got to pick the tree or my father got to pick the tree. So if we had short needles, it was my mother's year. And if we had long needles on our, our tree that we went and cut down, it was my dad's year. We did cut down a tree for about three years. And I got pulled out of the decision-making process when I wanted the purple one. <laughs> very traditional color. <laughs> but I do have a, a very personal relationship with, with Santa growing up. Ooh. He would visit in the middle of the night, you know, like he does. I would be so excited to see what he he brought that I would wake up hours and hours before anybody else was awake. And I would tiptoe up the stairs and I would take my stocking and I would undo it, like take every single thing out, but I would keep it in the order that it was packed in the sock, check everything out, put it back in the exact same order, and then go back to bed, wait for people to be like, oh, it's morning. And then discover my stocking. Of course, you had to forget the one thing in the toe. (laughs) Oh, Sarah, I think you forgot a little something. Oh, did I? Oh, there is a thing in the bottom. I don't think my mother even um, knew that I did this. Guess what? She knows now. Yes. Did not think (laughs) this through. When I was a kid, my mom would take me and we would stop at Dayton's and we would go through the eighth floor auditorium and we would see Santa. But my mom is a very practical human, so she didn't like crowds. So we would always go the week between Christmas and New Year's, which meant that Santa had very limited hours and he was a little bit crabby because he was stuck there after Christmas for about three days when every other Santa seemed to have been able to go home. We haven't really decorated at the museum this year, um, but we have been able to do a couple things. Yeah, yeah, those 21 ornaments that we have from the cities didn't get to see the light of day this year, but we did have a member party, so we watched that online. We did the uh, unwise murder for our members. And we thought it would be appropriate to have a holiday episode of our podcast. We talked to Steve Griffiths. He's the director of Impact Services. They're doing a great fundraiser right now that still has some time left. He talks about some Santa stuff, so I thought it would be appropriate to dive into all of the Santas that we have around the museum. Shall we get into it? (laughs) We should. Okay. I am here today with Steve Griffiths. He's the director of Impact Services. I just want to give you a couple minutes to talk about, first of all, what you do with your job but also this amazing opportunity people have. It's going to be a fundraiser for you, but it's going to be super fun for the kids. Right. Well, Rebecca, I I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Impact Services, we've been around for almost 50 years. We're a senior service organization in Anoka County. The majority of what we do is Meals on Wheels for, right now, I think it's 19 communities. You know, basically, I tell people, think of Anoka, Blaine, Coon Rapids, Lionel Lakes, everything north. Those are the areas that we serve with our Meals on Wheels program. 
We also have a choir for people who live with dementia and their caregivers using music to open up memory. Uh, it is the coolest thing in the world. They meet on Mondays and people ask, how are you doing that right now with COVID? And the reality is they meet via Zoom and they sing via Zoom. And we haven't lost anybody. We haven't lost any of our choir members since we started Zooming way back in April. And then the last thing that we do is we have a, a program called Family Aging Education, which is an opportunity for families to engage in some conversation to talk about planning for life of aging. Instead of just planning for death, we like to talk about what life looks like and how do families help mom and dad age with as much dignity and honor as possible, but really trying to help break down the, communi or the, the barriers to communication so that there's a plan in place before conflict arises. You That's run a great program. You really do. I enjoy being nonprofit partners with you. And you as well. You had to say that, right? No, no. I, 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 <laughs> I love your spirit. I do. I really, really do. Speaking of spirits, and we are not going into the Marley uh, type spirits here. <laughs> You have got an amazing fundraiser coming up this holiday season. Kids are actually going to be able to Zoom with Santa. Yeah, I've Santa Claus for a long time. I actually, the first time I Santa Claus when I was in college. And I love to tell this story. I did this, obviously, during winter break one year. Target had hired a company to do this. And they hired a bunch of college kids to come in and, you know, play this Santa Claus and the elves. And my first night was the night before Thanksgiving and the owners came into me and I was the first one on the first shift. And the owners came into me and said, Steve, the vice president of marketing for Target Corporate is here tonight. And they don't believe that college kids can play Santa Claus. If they don't like how you do it, they're pulling our contract from all of the Target stores. Like, no, I mean, pressure. no pressure, right? No I mean, I've pressure. I've never done this. So my first shift, I had to walk from the employee entrance all the way to the back of the store, making sure that people knew that Santa was there. And then I watched as the vice president of Target Marketing stood and watched me. And then 30 minutes later, he left and the owners of the company came over to me and said, Steve, they loved you. And we're all good. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. Thank God, because I didn't have anything else set up for work for, uh, for winter break. So I've been doing it for a long time. And I really enjoy doing it. It's fun to connect with kids. And this year, I just started thinking, you know, in the summer that visiting Santa Claus is going to be very different this year because of COVID. The mall Santa Claus might be there, but there are going to be a lot of people who maybe don't want to go see Santa Claus because they know the risk of COVID. So we actually set up a website and it's very simple. It's zoomwithsanta.org for people to spend uh, 10 to 15 minutes Zooming with Santa. And it's me. And it's very simple for people to do. We're asking for a $25 donation for that time. We ask you a couple of simple questions about your kids, what their ages are, obviously their names, what they're hoping for for Christmas, what their favorite kind of cookie is. What I do is I just invite them into the Zoom chat room. We talk for 10 or 15 minutes. I think it's a really cool opportunity for kids because most of the time when you're with the mall Santa Claus, you know what the line looks like, but this is a much more intimate setting. You're in your own home and you can ask Santa Claus questions that maybe you don't have time to in the, in the mall. I, I've had about 10 of these so far and every one of them has just been 
so much fun to see the kids in their own environment running to get their cat or their dog or a picture asking Santa what he wants on the cookie plate. They've just been super enjoyable. We do these in the evenings, Monday through Friday. We start at four o'clock and go until nine. And then also on Saturdays, and I think it's from uh, nine to noon and one until four. And you just sign up for your own 15 minute uh, session. We send you an access code to get into the Zoom room. And then we have the conversation. And then we just ask if you'd like the recording, if you want to make another donation, we just put it in a drop in Dropbox and we just let you go and pick it up. You know, all those donations support our programming. As people can imagine, our Meals on Wheels program, food insecurity for a lot of our seniors is a big deal right now. So know that it's going to a good cause and giving your kids really something that's memorable, something that you're going to be able to share with grandma and grandpa, you know, more so than just the the picture with Santa Claus at the mall. I love that they get the chance to get the recording with Santa. That's genius. Especially in today's world where everything is virtual. To be able to share that with grandma and grandpa or even to pull it out next year and just say, hey, do you remember we, we saw Santa Claus? While it's not tangible, it's something that you know we can sight and see. And as a kid, you can always go back to. And even in the summer, you know, have the opportunity to say, Hey, can I look at that call with Santa again? You could pull out Santa in July as a whole nother fundraiser. You could have him at the beach and have people call into his summer vacation. I like it. I hadn't even thought about it, but we certainly could do that. Yes. No, I, I think that's got some legs on it there, Steve. I like it. You know, I think as a kid, having those special memories are the things that, you know, you want. I mean, I have the pictures that I have with Santa Claus, but I don't have any real tangible memory of going to visit Santa Claus. And this is something that literally sits on the internet or on the cloud, and you can watch anytime you want to. I love it. I love it. So just to recap, it's a $25 donation, 10 or 15 minutes with Santa in the evenings or on the weekend. You can get the recording on Dropbox for an additional donation. It all goes to Impact Services to support the Meals on Wheels program and the choir program. And it's zoomwithsanta.org. That's correct. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, best of luck to you, my friend. And uh, we'll hope to talk to you again on the other side and hear how it went. Sounds good, Rebecca. Thanks for the time today. No problem, Steve. Have a great holiday. You too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Santa has taken a special interest in Anoka County while he's visiting via Zoom with many children this year. A look in the collections here at the Anoka County Historical Society show that Anoka County is a special place for the jolly man in red. He has visited and even made his home in various portions of the county. In a just recently discovered register of farm names in county records, staff unearthed proof that on January 17, 1916, at 11 a.m., the North Pole moved to Anoka County. This new North Pole was a 90-acre farm located in section 13 and 14 of Fridley. Now, Moore Lake was located just a little bit south of this summer farm. Officially, owned by Carl Nelson, a Swedish immigrant. The land in 1900 was home to Carl and his wife, 
six children, 12 boarders, and three servants. Definitely space enough to hide vacationing Santa and his elves, along with the day-to-day dairy operations. With the North Pole so close, Santa was able to meet new friends at Federal Cartridge in Anoka, and he came to many special Christmas parties for kids at the Green Theater. The Green Theater opened December 3rd, 1914, at 220 East Main Street, described at its opening as one of the handsomest theaters in the entire Northwest. The building was of cream brick, and the lobby sported a mosaic tile floor as well as elegantly marked mahogany and portable box office made of the same wood. The ceiling and walls were paneled in old gold and pink with work from different artists. The theater itself could seat between 700 and 800 people in opera chairs on a sloping floor or in cane chairs on a curved balcony above. The Anoka County Union declared it would be indeed hard for anyone to see where the construction, planning, or decorating could be bettered. It is a perfect playhouse, a credit to its owners and to the city. The theater space showed movies, but was also the setting for Anoka High School plays, glee club operettas, graduation commencement exercises, and most festively, it was filled to the brim with children visiting Santa in the 1940s. On December 25, 1940, the newspaper reported Federal Cartridge Corporation has furnished the children of Anoka and the surrounding community with an afternoon of pleasure and fun during the Christmas season. But what was this? What were the kids getting up to? What was Santa doing? Each year, Santa, alias Ed Rodby, sent out invitations to over 1,000 kids from local area schools. Each child from kindergarten to eighth grade received a personal invitation with the help of Santa's designated Federal Cartridge employee helpers. It was a huge undertaking. The Federal Employee Magazine, The Monarch, noted the amount of work that went into the event. They said, there's a lot of work involved in staging a party of this size. There's names to collect and invitations to draw up and print and distribute, over 1,400 of them. There's parents and teachers to notify. There's peanuts to sack and candy to box. There's schedules to meet and buses to arrange for and police to care for possible traffic problems and firemen for safety's sake. And, of course, there's a Santa costume to provide and a Santa to fill it not only with bulk, but with someone imbued with the Christmas spirit and blessed with a knack with children. The Green Theater manager at the time, Charles Clausen, provided the theater space and also a projectionist for the day. The day of Santa's party. The children presented their invitations at the door with some children insisting on handing him directly to Santa, even though he had plenty of helpers for the task. I would want to hand my my invitation directly to Santa. There were so many kids that they had to hold the program in stages. At 10 a.m., they held the first one for pre-K and kindergarten students. 2 p.m. was the first through fourth graders. And 4 p.m., fifth through eighth graders. Each year was slightly different, but the kids enjoyed a number of cartoon shorts. In 1940, the theater showed Popeye, Mickey Mouse, Betty Boop, and The Gray Cat. 1943, they showed four Walt Disney cartoons in Technicolor. The Hollywood Matador, Hams That Can't Be Cured, Mickey Mouse, and The Fox and the Crow. Office of War Information Production also showed a short 
clip depicting the need for conservation in family life for needed war materials. Not everything went smoothly every year. Santa does his best, but things happen. In 1943, there was a large influenza outbreak, and after consultation with Morris Bai, who was the superintendent of Anoka Schools, Dr. B.W. Bunker, who was the city health officer, and Charles Nash, chairman of Federal Social and Welfare Club, the party was postponed. Just three years later, in 1946, a different crisis arose. <sighs> the kids had already begun showing up for the program, but the film that was going to be shown hadn't arrived yet. What are we going to show the kids? The theater manager got busy on the phone and arranged for a duplicate show to be sent out as the original, which was carried by the Twin Cities News Service, could not be located in transit. At the very last moment before the show was scheduled to begin, a truck arrived with the needed rolls of film. It had been held up at a railroad crossing, and without the help of Santa's flying reindeer, couldn't arrive any faster. After watching the cartoons, the children could meet Santa, and they each received a special box of candy directly from the big guy himself as they left. By the end of the 1940s, the special Santa program was still going strong, but it had swapped venues from the Green Theater to the Anoka Theater, located at 420 East Main Street, where the Lyric Arts Company stands today. In the 1950s, Santa invested in another residence and built a new summer home for himself and his friends, this time in Ramsey. It was located about three miles outside the town of Anoka, across from the Slumberland Furniture Store along Highway 10 today. This summer home was the vision of Bernard Swanson of Brainerd. He spent nearly five years creating a home for Santa and a fun adventure park for visitors after his own children kept asking him where Santa lived during the summer. He wasn't satisfied with his answers, and so he took it upon himself to create an authentic answer. Santa's summer home would be in Ramsey. The park entrance was marked by an arch with the figures of Frosty the Snowman and Santa greeting visitors on either side both reportedly the largest of their kind in the state. Ed Gonzalez reported on the visit he and his family made to the new attraction in 1953. He said, As we entered this enchanted town, we were confronted by a monstrous green parrot sitting on a huge perch looking at us with an unblinking stare. As we were about to go by him, he started talking to us, and lo and behold, he called my children, Maria and Ricky, by name and told them the wonderful places to see in this fantastic town. Later, Ed discovered the popcorn vendor discreetly talking into a microphone. He had found the voice of the parrot. I think we need one of these for the museum. Instead of a doorbell, we just talk into the parrot. <laughs> Santa's house itself always seemed to have snow on its roof and icicles hanging down. Ed described the home, saying, The walls are painted a brilliant scarlet, and as we went closer, we found it completely covered with toys, pumpkins, of course, this is Anoka, and blocks spelling out the name Santa's house. We walked through the quaint door where Santa lives, and we found him sitting by his unusual roll-top desk with cute little pictures painted all over it. Maria and Ricky walked to him, and his jolly self gave each one a gift and listened to their outrageous demands for next Christmas. There were other attractions beyond Santa in his home. 
including a Ferris wheel, kitty car ride, merry-go-round, and others, circus wagons with animals, a large animated elephant, an animated wild animal show, and monkey band, towering Mother Goose characters, a diorama of Cheeseville with live mice residents, of course, and plenty to eat. Santa's summer home retreat didn't last too long, though. The figures were sold to Cletus Dunn in 1960 and then moved to Cottage Grove, so none of them are in the county any longer. That same parrot that greeted Maria and Ricky now watched over Cletus's service station. Santa still makes numerous appearances all over the county, but we're not aware if he has a current summer home here. The Anoka County Historical Society has numerous sightings, stories, and decorations with Santa on them, along with other Christmas traditions. We have these things because they have been sought out or donated to us for the collection. But that isn't the only holiday or tradition that is celebrated and valued by residents in our county. Far from it. This year, Hanukkah began on December 10th and was running through December 18th. It's the Festival of Lights, commemorating the rededication of the Temple of Jerusalem after it was retaken from the Greeks in the 2nd century BCE. It's celebrating freedom from oppression. But the History Center doesn't have a menorah in the collection to share this part of the Anoka County experience. What about the pagan celebration of winter solstice, or Yule, which starts on December 21st this year? It marks the shortest day and longest night of the year. We're celebrating the rebirth of the sun. Kwanzaa is a seven-day annual celebration starting December 26 that celebrates African culture. The six-day features a big feast. It's also celebrated with gift-giving and connecting to traditional music and African history. We don't have anything in the collection regarding these traditions either. And then what about the important celebrations that don't just happen to fall in December? Diwali, or the Festival of Lights, is a five-day-long celebration marked by millions of Hindu Sikhs and Jains. It is a triumph of good over evil and light over darkness. It began on November 13th this year. Ramadan in Islam is a month of fasting during daylight hours in which Muslims give up bad habits, pray, and focus on charitable deeds. Ramadan begins on April 12th next year, and it all culminates with Eid al-Fitr, a big celebration with family, friends, giving gifts, lots and lots of delicious food and love. Anoka County is a place where all of these celebrations and more are observed. Families come together to celebrate and share love and faith, but our collections don't reflect that. At least, not yet. Our collection grows through the stories, memories, photos, and artifacts from you. So, what's your story? Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hi, I'm Haley Coble, and I am a librarian at the Northtown Library in Anoka County. I have come up with a book list of some children's books about winter holidays around the world. When it comes to learning about things, I find that children's books and juvenile literature is often better than the adult literature because a lot of our adult nonfiction books tend to be about people's experiences and things. The first book that I picked up was Hanukkah 
by Grace Jones, part of the Festivals Around the World series. And you can check it out to learn more about other traditions surrounding Hanukkah. Anoka County Library has several books in our collection about Kwanzaa and its traditions. My Family Celebrates Kwanzaa by Lisa Bullard is part of a series called Holiday Time and is published by Lerner in Minneapolis. Our Lady of Guadalupe by Carmen T. Bernier-Grand kind of details the beginnings of the fiesta of Our Lady of Guadalupe from Mexico. The next book, Richard Sabra explores the traditions and celebrations of Chinese New Year in its Chinese New Year. Diwali, or the Festival of Lights, is a festival celebrated in India. You can find out more about this huge and diverse celebration um, in Diwali by Rebecca Pettiford, another book in the Holidays series. And the last holiday that I chose books for was Three Kings Day, or Epiphany, in Puerto Rico. The Storyteller's Candle, or La Valita de los Cuentos, by Lucia M. Gonzalez, tells the story of how Pura Belpre, the first Puerto Rican librarian in New York City, introduced the public library to immigrants living in their neighborhood and hosted the neighborhood's first Three Kings Day fiesta. And so that's kind of an overview of different books that we have in our collection about um, holidays around the world that occur in winter. Feel free to choose from these, or if you want to, you can find other books about the holidays located near and around those call numbers as well. Thank you. Have a good day. Happy reading. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. I love the idea that Santa is Zooming this year because he has the technology and he knows how to use it, darn it. Yes, the fact that Santa can Zoom is amazing. And it was a fun time talking to Steve, but I have to say that to support Impact Services, we actually Zoomed with Santa as a family. Of course you did. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was brilliant because uh, my husband had only seen Santa once and he didn't remember the experience. So I went through their website and I registered him as the, the human child. And they asked what the favorite cookie was and they asked what toys they wanted. And they, what did he want? What did he want? A tractor, of course. <laughs> and Santa asked if he wanted a red one or a green one. And of course, Darcy said a red one because they're not quite as expensive as the green one. You so totally we had a ball. Aw, that's so sweet. It was pretty cool. Thank you to Impact Services for making that opportunity happen for everybody. And I loved the suggestions from the library minute of all of these other traditions and ways that people come together for the holidays. When I was a kid, we had some friends who were Jewish. I was a Catholic family and we would go over and celebrate Hanukkah with them and we would light the menorah and we would play with the dreidel and we would eat food, I assume. It apparently wasn't a big thing in my world to worry about the food as a kid, but the fire part of the menorah and it being dark and them lighting it, the words that were being spoken that I didn't understand because they were in another language and the feeling of that holiday in comparison to what I knew going to Catholic worship. It was a neat experience as a kid. But the the love and the connection was was the overriding part. Yeah, yeah. And it was just us and them. You know, there was no extended family from either party. And I don't know why that was, but it was a yearly tradition that we, we always did.
there's a lot of different ways people can mark the end of the year. And, and I think that closure of one year and the starting of another year is so important, no matter how you mark it. I think that's really the core of a holiday celebration. Especially in a year that's been so full of ups and downs and uncertainties that it's really important that we're coming together in whatever way we can, whether that's over Zoom or phone calls or standing outside waving at each other or safely getting together in person. I hope that we can start expanding that portion of our collection here at the Historical Society. You can start adding those memories and stories so that Santa has more friends. It would be lovely to expand the collection and incorporate more for the future so that the demographics of the county are properly represented and all those traditions could be preserved for those future generations. So how are people celebrating in 2020? Drop us an email. Future generations want to know. (laughs) It was lovely, Rebecca. It's always lovely to talk with you, Sarah. We will check you for our next episode. Tune in next time. See you, friends. (laughs) Bye, everyone. If you have a question or you would like to share your own story with us, you can find us at anokacountyhistory.org. We are all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all who scroll by. For our members and donors, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at our vault located on the website. History 21 is a production of the Anoka County Historical Society. Remember, the present is the past of the future.